0: Welcome to Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. Throughout his career, Jim Lang has made it a priority to provide his clients, readers, and friends with useful cutting-edge information, as well as peer-reviewed financial and tax planning strategies, so that they can make the most educated decisions and really get the most out of what they've got. We hope you enjoy the following special read broadcast from the Lang Vault. Please stay with us until the end. So, you don't miss more information on how we can help you protect your wealth and ensure your family's financial security for the next generation. And now, Jim Lang.
1: So, um, the next question that I'd like to ask, I'd like to ask Adam first. And then, um, Larry and Jim, if you'd like to jump in, please do. This is a question from Marion from the live room, if I can actually open the Q&A function here. Sorry, guys. Okay, so Marion asked, um, would the low price-to-earnings small caps have a large turnover in capital gains to remain low price-to-earnings? And if that's the case, would you want small value in a tax advantage account? Great question. Uh,
2: we
3: practice what we call asset location. And at a high level that means owning the right asset classes in the right buckets to take advantage of tax treatment. So we like to own equities in brokerage accounts, individual or joint, so that you get the step up in basis upon death. They also have lower dividends or tax lower than ordinary income. In Roth accounts, that's where we wanna hold the highest expected return assets, small cap value. So that's how our tilts are applied, if you will. The distributions for the funds we use are relatively low. Uh, I don't know this, but again, exactly, but directionally, if you look at that Bridgeway fund that we've been talking about, you will see they have scant, like low single digit cap gain distributions. The funds we use, the DFA, the Bridgeway, the AQRs, they are all, generally low turnover. Like Larry said, they're not index funds. These are actively managed funds, but they have very low turnover to not only keep the cost down, but keep the cap gains down. Larry, anything else? Yeah,
4: there's a few things I I would add. Uh, First of all, uh, very important to understand that the introduction of exchange-traded funds Uh, has changed the taxable nature of equity gains and losses uh, because ETFs have the ability to call what's called wash capital gains distributions uh, out to and distribute them to people who don't pay taxes, uh, if you will. So in a lot of cases now, uh, we've m- moving clients with new money to be basically holding ETF versions of small value funds uh, rather than mutual funds, at least for taxable accounts. For, for IRA type accounts, we prefer to own the mutual funds because you don't have the bid offer spreads, the trading costs uh, of an ETF. But there are some significant tax advantages. So even though small value does have a bit more turnover than, a, say, a growth fund or a total market fund, owning an ETF basically takes care of that problem almost in its entirety. Uh, another advantage, which Adam uh, you know, touched on, is uh, of indexing uh, versus the kind of funds we own that I call systematic funds. So an index fund, for example, think of it this way. Let's say you own the Russell 2000 fund, and it reconstitutes every year on June 30th. So let's say you had a stock that was ranked 1,001 on the prior June 30th, uh, and then the next June 30th, it's ranked 999. Uh, Vanguard's Russell Two Thousand Index Fund, if it had one, would have to sell that stock, even though it it's basically the same stock from a risk perspective. It's got you know ranked thousand and one. It's now nine ninety nine. That doesn't change your risk. The <clears throat> Bridgeway Fund would say it's out of our index, if you will, but we're going to hold it until it f- grows to more than let's say under the 800th largest stock. So that does a few things. It still, it looks pretty similar, but eventually we wanna sell it if it keeps growing because otherwise we'll drift and become a larger stock fund. But they'll hold it for a while. They certainly will never sell it regardless until it has long-term capital gains. And that not only cuts your turnover down so you have lower trading costs, but it improves your tax efficiency. So using what are called buy and hold ranges uh, is a major advantage over a pure indexing because it cuts the turnover, improves tax efficiency and cuts trading costs. That's an example uh, here. So right now, for example, our favorite fund for tax advantage accounts might be the Bridgeway Uh, fund because it's the smallest market cap and deepest value. But for a taxable account, we might use Avantis's ETF, which is very similar in value, but not quite as small, but that extra tax efficiency gives it an advantage for a taxable account. So we're very tax conscious uh, about the investment process.
1: Great. Thanks so much. So we do have eight more questions from the live room. Um, and so I don't think we're going to be able to finish all of them today, but, uh, we do have time to finish some more. So, uh, one is from James, I thought was kind of interesting. He said, he asks any suggestions on how to think about investing or estate planning strategies to self-insure for long-term care expenses.
2: Well, maybe I'll take that one. Um, So I am not a fan of traditional long-term care policies for most people. A couple problems with them. One, what if you die in your boots and you paid a lot of money and you didn't get any value? Two, no matter what the premium is in terms of the annual premium that you start with, it is inevitable that you're going to get a letter in some number of years, well, we're very sorry, the premium has gone up and maybe significantly like 15 or 20%. And you have the choice of either paying that additional premium or giving up the policy, which means all the premiums that you paid just went away. Um, Sometimes it might make sense to self-insure. Sometimes it might make sense partly for psychological reasons to still have insurance, but have some some way of recouping the money in the event that you don't need it. There are life insurance policies that actually have long-term care riders. So let's just say for discussion's sake that there is a life insurance need and either psychologically or a real long-term care need. What you could do is you could buy, a, say, a life insurance policy for say $500,000 let's say uh, that really has a long-term, I'm sorry, that has a long-term care rider. So let's just say for discussion sake that you buy that policy, you get sick, and let's forget about exclusions for a second, and the cost of your care is $250,000. The insurance company will pay for that $250,000. Uh, let's say that you then die, since it was a $500,000 policy, there would still be $250,000 left. If you never get sick and you never have long-term care needs, uh, and then when you die, then there's a $500,000 death benefit. If on the other hand, you have $750,000 of long-term care needs and it's only a $500,000 policy, then you are on the hook for the other 250. So if that, that, that is a concern, I like that better for, let's say providing for long-term care than the traditional long-term care policy, which I think is more geared towards protecting the surviving spouse. That's what, and and, and frankly, we don't work with a lot of people in that situation. That is where maybe the total estate is 700,000. The cost of care is a couple hundred thousand. Then that person dies and the survivor is left with not enough money to live comfortably. On the other hand, that person also is going to have a harder time coming up with the premium. So I'm not, I I'm licensed too, but I haven't sold a traditional long-term care policy in a long time. I don't know if Larry or Adam have opinions on that or not.
4: I really don't have anything to add. It's sad that uh, long-term care is so expensive and, a product and they're, they're so complex because a very significant portion of the population is going to need long-term care, partly because we're just living longer. Uh, and the longer you live, the odds increase. Uh, our general rule of thumb is something along the lines goes like this. If you've got 3 or $4 million of total assets, probably just don't worry about it. You self-insure. If you've got under a million dollars, you can't afford the policy. So, you know, you sort of have to take your chances. If you're somewhere in there, in between, then it's at least worth considering. Uh, we have a team of people that can help you evaluate policies, consider the life insurance alternative, which some people want, you know, to take care of their family. That's, uh, I think, the best option if you're going to buy life insurance now buy it with that rider. Uh, And Adam, again, has that great Monte Carlo tool. And we talk about this in the retirement book, showing you here's the case of you buy long-term care and you don't need it. What did that do to your odds of success? Or you don't buy it and you need it. What did that do, right? So we try to make it objective and take the emotion out of it, help you make that decision through that Monte Carlo simulation tool.
2: I will add one thing though, Um, even though I am not necessarily a fan of buying it, let's say starting now, if you have an existing policy, the chances, and particularly if it is an older policy, the chances are that it is something that you do wanna hang on to because you bought it A, when you were younger, uh, B, presumably when you were healthier, and see when those types of policies sold for a lot less. So I can't remember ever having to give advice to somebody, yes, unless maybe they just bought it and had one or two premiums, but I I can't ever remember saying, yes, you should abandon your existing uh, long-term care policy.
1: Great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks so much to all four of you. Um, and I just wanted to remind everyone that uh, if you are interested in a comprehensive financial master plan development engagement, or if you are interested in working with Buckingham, the combination of Buckingham and Lang Financial Group in an assets under management capacity, this is your last chance on the webinar. <clears throat> Excuse me. To click the link in that form. Uh, to click that link and fill out the form to start that process. So if you are interested in the Monte Carlo scenario planning, any of the things, any of the comprehensive, either investment or long-term strategic planning, uh, things that we do for our clients that have been discussed on this webinar, I really urge you to click that now because we will be ending this uh, session in five minutes. So...
2: Erica, can I ask a question of you? Let's say that that somebody has either listen to all four or maybe listen to one and they are interested in either hearing it again or hearing some of the ones that they missed or perhaps they even want to send a link to their friends and said, hey, this this webinar was really valuable or these series of value, these webinars were really valuable. Where can somebody get the replays? Because I know we typically don't move it on for a long time.
1: Of course. So there are a few different ways. First, if you registered for... Any of these events um, or all of these events, for everyone that you registered for, you will receive an automatic replay link for webinars one through three. If for the Tuesday webinars, you should have already received those. Um, if you have registered for any of webinars one, two, or three, you will also receive an email from directly from Lang with links to all four of the replays. So if you're here right now, you will get links for all of the replays. Um, the replays that you'll get from Lang will probably be coming to you via email on Friday or Monday.
2: Okay, and could you just, let's say you had a buddy that you liked and you thought your buddy- Well, then you could to... forward that
1: email that I just referred to, to your buddy.
2: Okay, okay.
1: And there's also a link in the email that you could give them directly that will have a location on our website where they'll all be able to be found, where the replays will be able to be found. But the easiest way to do it would be just to forward that full email because then you don't have to type any link yourself.
2: All right, and and I want to thank Larry and Adam. Um, You know, Larry is just a wealth of information. I learn a lot every time I listen to him and it just makes me feel so excited to think, wow, you, know, you have somebody of, of, of Larry's abilities. Um, Adam doing a great job implementing a lot of these strategies, implementing the 40 step process that Buckingham has uh, worked with. Our team of estate attorneys um, and CPAs who are doing the number crunching me let's say being the starting point and i will remind people that the starting point to work with the combination of us and buckingham which again i'm going to look you in the digital eye and tell you i do not know of any better value proposition um starts with a zoom consultation with me and i assume that uh brian will put the link up so what people can do is to just click that link, fill it out, then you'll get some paperwork from our office um, to see if we think that you are a good fit and if you are, what the per- process and procedure is from there. And I think that we are within...
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yes. I'm so sorry, Jim. I just don't want to forget this because I forgot it at the beginning of the webinar, um, but... Uh, The bonuses. bonuses. Yeah, the bonuses. So Brian just put up the link to the bonuses. And in the last webinar, two people actually asked about the five specific conditions that are required for an IRA or retirement plan to qualify uh, as the beneficiary of a trust. And one of the bonuses, one of the digital bonuses is a copy of Retire Secure Third Edition. I apologize. I think my cover is a bit dirty on this one. But if you are looking to find exactly what those conditions are, you need to look no further than Chapter 17, which is all about trust qualifying as beneficiaries of IRAs and retirement plans. So to the two people who asked that question in the last session and did not have it answered, um, definitely click the link to get your bonuses and check out Chapter 17 of Retire Secure Third Edition. Okay. Um,
2: and, and thank you, Erica. You did you did a great job on all four webinars.
1: Thank you. So
2: I, I am filled with gratitude to Adam, uh, Larry, uh, Erica, the rest of the marketing team, and our entire team. So thank you very much. Do you, do you run a little video after yes, this? Yes,
1: we do have a video. And thanks to so much, Larry and Adam, as well. All right. All
2: right. Thank all right. you, thank everyone. You.
1: Uh, just before you run, I thought
4: I just mentioned I tried quickly to answer some of the questions we didn't get to. So I just posted them there didn't have a lot of time to give a longer answer, but at least hopefully address your question.
0: Thank you, Larry. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. If you've discovered the answers to your questions and would like to schedule an appointment with Jim, please call our offices at 1-800-387-1129. That number again is 1-800-387- one, one, two, nine. Or, if you would like to attend one of Jim's upcoming webinars, go to paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 webinars. That address again is paytaxeslater.com forward slash 2020 zero, zero, webinars. That's 2020 webinars.